0: That's not a regular music, but welcome to the Practically Pastoring Podcast, where Frank hits the wrong button. And now he mutes himself. (laughs) Happy New Year. New Year, same us. The Practically Pastoring Podcast is brought to you by Boomers Boomers Technology Skills. Can you hear me now? Yes, yes we can. Yes. I don't
1: know what happened. Guys like the great President Obama said, yes, we can.
2: <laughs> the music is not on my board. And you know what? Let's just go. Welcome to the practically Pastoring Podcast. My Careful. name is Frank, and I am glad that you are here. Over up in Baltimore, Maryland, we got Jeffrey Simpson. Hello. Down in uh, Sumter, South Carolina, we got Dummar Pete. Happy New Year. Okay, and down in Florida we got uh, Andrew Larson
0: greetings and salutations
2: and uh, fresh off a Duval win we got Timothy Miller.
3: Can I get a Duval?
2: Guys, starting 2023 right? I don't my soundboard's completely missing with our music, but it's great. I'm glad to be here. We're fresh off a January 1st Sunday. So either your attendance was bussing or your attendance was terrible. I want to hear how everyone's was. So uh, let's go around the horn. How was this weekend?
3: Yeah, Tim, you go first. How was the attendance where you were? (laughs) About about (laughs) 45,000
0: angry people. It
3: it turns out um, when you're a losing team and you've lost a lot of games, you don't typically go to one of the final home games. So, for my son's Christmas present, we surprised him with tickets to the Jaguars Texans game in Houston. So it was a full on father son weekend trip. Osteen first, right? We did, went to Joel Osteen early, early nice. Sunday morning. We did not do that. We did not do that. We went. We went right to the stadium Sunday morning. I I, I hopped onto the live stream just for five minutes to make sure it was up running, no hiccups or issues. Who was and preaching for you? It was. It wasn't yesterday National Youth Pastor Preaching Sunday? I thought that's what that was. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we we actually planned this trip out a while ago, knowing that nice. typically on the first we have a guest preacher anyway. So we had a dude. We had a ton of fun. For me, it's it's experiences over gifts all day, every day. That's one that my son and I will probably never forget. And of course, we got the dub, which was just icing on the cake. I checked in with all things Lakeview this morning with one of our elders. He said things were awesome. Uh, attendance was it was okay. It was you know. He New said, you were Year's gone? Day. <laughs> exactly. We <did laughs> which have a is guest actually a good, that's what you want. At, for sure. We had a guest worship leader, which was really odd because we haven't had that in a long time, and I wasn't there. So our worship team actually set the whole thing up so they could give most of the team the Sunday off, which was kind of nice. cool. And he did a great job. Like I checked the live stream. I was like, wow, this kid is incredible. He did a phenomenal job. I reached out to a buddy of mine at Harborside, and he had a member on his team that was able to come over and help us out yesterday, which was really, really cool. So, all in all, at Lakeview, great Sunday. For Duval. it was a great Sunday. And we've got another big game coming up this week. Listen,
1: not to take away from the Jags, but, man, the Houston's look rough.
3: Like, it was beyond bad. Like, their fans were chanting, sell the team. I I had to stop cheering because I could just see, like, the anguish on everyone's heart. And I was like, oh, this is bad. I didn't stop cheering, though. I'm not going to lie. I was was pretty obnoxious.
1: (laughs) Well, my Sunday was pretty normal. Uh... I led more things than I've been leading in the last uh, few months because people were taking a break or something. So we kind of like so Christmas morning we did have a gathering. Andrew, you're welcome. Um, and I'm that really was proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And so is Jesus. Um, it was really low key uh, on Christmas morning. It was just me and like I had a circle of chairs and there was like maybe twenty five people um, and we just sang songs and I just did like a devotional on the songs.
3: Sounds um, like a youth
1: group, bro. It kind of was. Yeah, it was kind of like a lot of people were really positive about it, though. They really liked it. Um, you know, it was really laid back. The kids were in with us. I was talking with the kids and kind of asking questions. It was it was a lot of fun. It was a lot more like a small prayer gathering than like a service. Well, yesterday was kind of like in between that and then like a normal service. So we did have like, you know, lyrics on the screen and a live stream, but it was still a little bit more low key. So we started a 40 days of prayer um series that our denominations does at the beginning of every year i wish they would start it on the second sunday of january so you could really like launch it but it always starts this first sunday and then it goes for six weeks so the the advantage there is like i have like a very very rough uh skeleton um sermon outline for the next six weeks which is kind of nice but we're basically just walking through the lord's prayer for six weeks so um that's a really easy outline so yeah, we our attendance was um, was down a bit. But we tend to be smaller churches in small towns a lot of times are the churches that people go visit other family members from. And that tends to be what happens to us around holidays. Like uh, A lot of people go to their fa- other family in some other place and go to church with them. So um, it's all good. I took all the Christmas decorations down on Saturday, on New Year's Day in the morning, and it was sad because I came back in on Sunday and I was like, aww. But, yeah, so we're into our kind of regular winter schedule now. So it was a good Sunday overall. Oh, and the so kids we, were in with us, and my, my uh, baby daughter was obnoxiously loud while I was preaching.
0: We we also did the service on Christmas Day. We did everything in our fellowship hall, and we typically do food after the service. But we said, hey, service starts at 10 when really service started at ten fifteen, so everyone could make a plate, and we're sitting around round tables and – you know, if we're 75 or 80 people on a normal Sunday, I think we were 44, 45 people on Christmas Day. So, you know, 55, 60% of our congregation um, still came out, and I had multiple older people tell me that, you know, they wouldn't have seen another person on Christmas, and so they're so grateful we got to do Christmas together. But it was 20-ish minute sermon, um, joy to the world, go tell it on the mountain, and that was it. I mean, we, we didn't start until ten fifteen. We were out before 11 so nice. that was kind of the the plan for christmas morning on uh, new year's morning uh yesterday wow that was only one day ago uh, we were kind of expecting a lower group it was a bonkers weather day i mean fog so so thick you could barely see the car in front of you on the way in and yet we had um you know all you know 85 90% of our people, I think we were kind of surprised by how many people were there. We started a New Year's series that Tim and I worked on years ago, and I had preached it at our same church in August of 2017, only it was not themed for New Year's back then. So you tweak the illustrations and application just a little bit, and suddenly no one remembers (laughs) that the exegesis is exactly the same as it was five and a half years ago. So... We're, we started a 3 week Sermon on the Mount series which is not long enough to cover the Sermon on the Mount but we have a guest preacher coming January 22nd. Nice. So we've got this for the next 3 weeks and it was it was a good Sunday. I think we were kind of expecting a, oh there's nobody here the weather stinks and you know the parking lot's going to be empty and that's not what we had at all. So it was exciting. And now I'm tired because I've had to work Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, New Year's Day.
4: Oof. Well, uh, yesterday, church for us was, we were actually up. It was, or I should say we were at least a strong on par, if that makes sense. Uh, What was really neat is there was a former student of mine. I met him probably six, seven years ago. And now he is at Southern Seminary and he's getting his master's there. He came back and preached Sunday. And when he came, it actually brought a good bit of people, um, people in the community and guests to church. Because one of my views is, like, if you're ever going to bring in a guest speaker, let it be somebody that would actually bring your attendance up, you know, because they, int- they have peak interest. And he came, and uh, he really brought it. We, um, we're we doing a two-part series. He wrote this past week's I'm writing this coming week's. This past week's was on sin entering the world because we're talking about resolution how the the biggest resolution that mattered was christ's resolution to come save us and then he he volleyed it to me next week i'll be in romans chapter five just as trespass entered through one man you know through christ we get new life so uh, this past week was a pretty solid week all of our programming didn't start back as far as Children's ministry, you know, small groups, uh, kids, ministry, students, all that didn't start back yet. But we still um, they turned out for services. So. Well, uh,
2: this past Sunday, well, Christmas Eve, I think, you know, we had we had a couple services all normal. I preached. It was fun. Um I held a baby on stage, which is very risky. I used my godson as an example of like the presence of Christ being there all the time and us not realizing it. And I expl- go listen to my sermon; I think it was really good. But uh, what actually happened? New Year's Day, New Year's Day, was the one time Mark Dever would look at my church and say, "I like it," because we had all of our campuses. Uh, all of our other all like, all the campuses but one were closed down that day. We had one, the, our largest campus open, and we only had one service because we thought, you know, New Year's Day, like Jeff, people are traveling. Like, you know, I think I think um what what Jeff is saying is more of like when you're up north, yeah, services, maybe that's all those true.
0: all those centers were out the night before.
2: <laughs> not, well, I don't know. Maybe people are going south. Like, they, like they're going to see family in warmer climates and stuff like that. So therefore uh we assume like a lot you know you know we're gonna have low attendance on new year's day especially because it's on new year's day so we're like hey let's just have one service at one campus everybody under one roof we have one location that can see a thousand people let's see what happens and so we did and i didn't preach it was actually our um current um interim pastor who preached and um man it was full like it was it was great like uh I don't know. It was just really neat. Like I wouldn't say there's a thousand people in the room, but there were several, several hundred. Where like it was uncomfortable to try to find an empty seat. It was just a pretty cool thing. To, pretty cool thing to see. And I wouldn't. I wouldn't talk about it in a braggy way if so it wasn't like a super cool thing to see. Um, it was fun. I got to service host. I got to do the announcement or a meeting greet in the beginning, and then I got to uh, do the offering at uh, at the end of the service. But uh, it was As a uh,
0: campus pastor. Isn't that what you do most Sundays? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> did, did you stay but in the cool. lobby? We tried to have—I
2: <laughs> I didn't hold the door, but I did stay in the lobby. We were just try, I mean, I think because all of our campuses were together, we tried to all have a little bit of presence on the stage at different times. Um, so it was cool. Like all the all the campuses were represented. The band was even like mixed, and it was it was a, it was a really cool thing. So it was a fun service. Uh, once in a you know every couple of year type of event, it was just really neat. Oh, hey. Standing
0: room is great for momentum, isn't it? Oh, I, the, there's that's just, exactly it, nothing feels better than hey, we are we are out of seats. Sorry, standing room only yeah. from here on out.
2: My my prayer is that this will give us momentum into 2023. In the terms of like, I hope when we go back to our campuses, people are excited, and I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But uh, hey, we have. Uh, as I've been trying, I've been enjoying this. I've been going on Facebook and I've been looking at different, uh, questions that people have been bringing up in different forums, not just our Facebook group, but the other Facebook groups. And, uh, there's a couple of things I've noticed. One actually wasn't a question. It was an actually a, a very interesting, uh, uh, tweet that, um, uh, I think his name is Tony. What's his name? Tony something.
1: Reinke. Yeah. I, can't, I, I, Reinke? I, want,
2: I wanted you to say the last name, not me. Uh, Tony Reiki, um, but I think I, I, one of you guys posted in the Facebook group, I'm sorry, in our text text message group. John Piper's preaching, looks like a Christmas sermon or something, and then his Apple Watch goes off in the middle of his sermon saying that he fell. <laughs> oh, man. Just, his arms are wild, dude. <laughs> yeah, his arms are going crazy. Um,
0: <laughs> Listen, you started Sermon on the Mount. That's a fun, it's ironic. A. Yeah, that's very. As as the Sermon on the Mount starts, Jesus sits down to teach everybody. Do you know what will not make your Apple Watch go off? If you're sitting down, <laughs> sitting down <laughs> teaching. If you're sitting down. Dude, like no. Jesus John Piper's,
1: did. no, no. His arms are flailing so hard that his watch would go off no matter what.
0: That watch <laughs> going off was not
1: based on his lower body. No. <laughs> <laughs> so
2: there, there's a link in our show notes. You go watch the video. It's a small little clip. But my question is this. is like um, – r- you know do you wear an Apple watch or some smartphone smart smart device on your on your body when you're preaching and if so has it ever gone off during a sermon what have you done? I actually have a little bit of advice for Apple Watch users but I'll, I'll go at the end. Run the, what, what, any, any situations?
3: My, I, mine has gone off multiple times. Yeah. Siri has Siri has gone off and I, I just completely ignore it and mute it as quickly as possible and it's it's why I go on to do not disturb mode now before I preach. It it bugs my wife because I'll forget to turn it off when I'm done preaching, and she'll be trying to call me after church. But it's 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 been the only way. So I'm looking forward to your advice, Frank.
0: Yeah, every I'm I'm super curious. I have owned has gone off at different points during the sermon. <laughs> it's I've had, you know, I've had my phone in the front row, and I was talking about Jonah, and every time I said Assyria, Siri went off. So that was oh no stupid. That's funny. Um, I've had. So I preach from an iPad that one of my kids has commandeered most of the week, and I had one of his buddies calling him on Facebook Messenger every three <laughs> minutes for an entire sermon. That's and pretty I, awesome. I just didn't turn it to airplane mode because I was panicking in the moment. So yeah, you name it. If a device can go off, it has gone off on my person mid-sermon.
4: Yeah, I've had the same thing, and I, I mean, went up there and I said, "Okay, I'm going to put it. I'm going to put it on airplane mode." and it still went off, and then I put it on Do yeah. Not Disturb, and I had an alarm set I didn't know, and it still went off. So then well, I quit- That's on Where, you. Yeah, that's <laughs> on me. Well, then then one time, I was preaching, and people realized that I didn't put it on to Do Not Disturb mode, and I wanna say it was people who were even watching online at the time started texting me just to watch my watch light up while I was preaching. <laughs> And I didn't know it because I was so. Were, that was yeah, like the I, running I, joke. I had
0: that one too. Yeah, yeah. Man, so I'm, I'm very. If Frank's uh-huh. got a
4: hack on this, I am all. Because right now I just don't wear one when I preach. I just don't. So yeah.
0: Pre- preaching in big church as the youth pastor, all the youth group kids trying to make my watch go off in yeah, church. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Well, you know the um one thing I, I had this one issue with my iPad. It might be my iPad's fault and not anything else. Is sometimes that's the, the
1: most boomer thing you've ever said on here.
2: <laughs> it's my ipad's fault and not me yeah <laughs> um i have uh i use a good reader t- for my pdf notes and and i have it where i like i swipe right because i feel like that's like, the most natural gesture going this way i feel like i'll lose my like um where i'm at in the notes so sometimes i think it's like pixels dying or something where there's like these phantom touches where it will go to the next slide without <laughs> me knowing and i don't know i don't know if it's my spit hitting it or something but it like, really could it and so, like, I, so that's the only – frustration. so I don't have a solution for that. But here's the thing. So, first off, if you're using an iPad, immediately put your iPad on airplane mode. Um, that's That will solve any kind of notifications on your iPad. But here's what you do on your watch. Um, on your watch face, you slide up, and then you see the moon. That's the airplane mode thing, right, or uh, the do not disturb. Click that. Click do not disturb and just click on. Don't put any timer or whatever. Just do that. Then right below the do not disturb icon, there's these two faces. It looks like theater faces. That's called theater mode. If you tap that, what, what will happen is now, no matter what your, your watch, no matter how much you move, it won't light up and it won't like listen to you. Like, it won't listen for Siri or anything like that. And so, um, so that has been my go-to. First off, put on theater mode when you're actually in a movie theater. That will, like, help you. And, like, actually, if, if you have, like, if you buy your movie tickets online or something, and it gets in your calendar, your watch will be like, would you like me to put on theater mode? But so, I was like, oh, I wonder if theater mode works when I'm preaching. Bam, bing, ba, boom. Dude, it's great. It, like... <laughs> it's awesome
1: that was the most latin thing you've ever said it is oh you just reminded me of like five cousins
0: so not not an apple watch issue, <laughs> but, an, but an apple issue uh the past six months or so i've been dictating a lot of my sermon so that i can you know talk like i speak more and so you know you, you hit the the function button twice and the little microphone pops up in pages and you just go well, I get to the end of a sermon and I save it, and I'm ready to go without proofreading time after time because oh, no. I'm a dummy. And boy, was there a very R-rated sentence in my Christmas message in the last uh, Christmas <laughs> Eve, the last paragraph. I'll I'll copy and paste it to you guys. I'm not going to say it on here, but this is <laughs> this is the uh, this is the last paragraph of my uh, Christmas eve message and i fortunately caught myself and i was like what what was i trying to say what 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 was that but uh i i just pasted it in the chat but that was that was the last paragraph of my christmas eve message
2: leak the chat leak the chat
1: (laughs) (laughs) well i don't wear an apple watch so i have no opinion on this and i refuse to get one because I think I'll get addicted to it. Um, but I think the thing with Piper is pretty hilarious. But one thing I will say is I have uh, created custom focus modes in my phone. Mm, that's good. Um, which you can do. So I have one for Bible reading. And I have one for church. So the church one is uh, activates uh, from 6 a.m. to noon every Sunday. And then when I'm in the, like the geo circle of the church building. Uh, and it just goes into Do Not Disturb. And then my Bible one... Um, This one, let's see. I'm going to tell you what it does. It, when I open my ESV Bible app, it do not disturbs everything else. Uh, So that's kind of a cool way to make your smartphone Bible into like a paper Bible almost. Hmm. Um, But something we did on Sunday uh, that I didn't realize the relevance of that until we started talking about this, was I actually put a, like, uh, it's actually a shoe organizer. But it's like a place where you can put your phone while you're in church. And um, a lot more people used it than I kind of expected. I just was like, hey, this is an experiment I want to try. I decided to launch it when we were doing this 40 Days of Prayer thing. Put your phone, either shut it all the way off or put it in airplane mode and stick it in this thing, and you don't even have it on you. Um, And a bunch of people did it. I did it, and I really liked it. So – uh, hopefully that's a practice that's going to continue for us. A little bit of a digital fast while we're in church, I guess. That's so. that's,
2: that's a cool idea. I did. I, I never thought about putting on focus mode while at like on a Sunday morning. Like, yeah. So only like improving. you can really customize it. A lot. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a really cool idea. Focus mode is one of the most like innovative things. It's yeah. like a necessary evil. I use thing, it a but, lot. Like, it's a it's a very good thing. You know? I
1: use the work mode a lot. I use you know church mode obviously while I'm here, and I did the time and the geography because I'm in this building. During the yeah, week. That makes sense. And I don't necessarily want it on the same mode. So, yeah. yeah.
2: Um, all right. Well, uh, there, there's your tips and tricks. Uh, I'll put the link in the show notes. So you can see John Piper freak out about his
1: Apple Watch. Oh, can I say one thing about this? What's hilarious to me about this clip is he's like, he, he never, like, his preaching voice never changes.
2: <laughs> when you're That's like, his voice. That yeah. is his voice. I was like, it's wow. Crazy.
1: So, like, when you talk to him about sports and he gets passionate does he just sound like he's preaching that's hilarious to me uh the way he was like ranting about like how annoying it was like kind of funny but it it was the same like tone and voice as when he's passionately preaching which i thought was kind of i it just took me back and i had a chuckle
0: could you imagine like being disciplined by him when you were his kid (laughs) right (laughs) that'd be terrible but I, i know a pastor who he he turns on his preacher preaching voice and it is completely different from his conversational voice. Oh, don't even get me started about and worship I'm leader like, voice. <laughs> That's the, hey, church. Yeah. So I'm glad he's just consistent.
2: <laughs> Jeff, Jeff in his dude, worship leader listen, voice. Listen, uh, worship
1: uh, leader, listen, worship leader voice was doing vocal fry way before any of the cool teenagers oh, were doing dude. it. You know what I'm saying? Je-
2: Je- Jeff is uh, his worship leader voice romancing his wife is like, baby, we just welcome you in this place. <laughs> Into uh, my presence? Into
0: my presence. <laughs> you would slap me.
2: <laughs> Anyways, um
0: all right. Speaking of he worship just qu- he just quotes the end of my Christmas Eve sermon tour. Oh my <laughs>
2: god. <laughs> all right. Let me uh read to you this is okay, so the actual post is a little bit longer, but I um I kind of abbreviated a couple sentences to make it as as uh all the context we need, okay? So this he posted this in our Facebook group. This is like, in our group. Yeah, this is in our group. Matt Matt posted this. Yep. We we have seen a huge increase in families over the last eight months. And so this is typically a church that does a lot of traditional worship. Hey,
1: congrats, dude. Yeah, this is that. huge.
2: Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of families. That's great. Someone stepped up and volunteered to take our worship team to a place they could only imagine and only dreamed of. With that said, a few of the other folks are starting to come up and share that they really wish that they did more hymns. We do at least one or two a week and rotate ten to twelve really well-known hymns. I really don't want to push them aside or feel they are being ignored, and I don't want to them to get frustrated and leave. We are starting. A, this is interesting. We're starting a weekly Wednesday hymn sing night, and are going to split the worship team off that will that we will call the traditional team. Oh, that will don't do it, Matt. Once a month on Sunday morning, the team will do three or four hymns and one contemporary. I am also making sure I take the time to talk to each of the individuals and share my thoughts as well. Other than these steps I've taken, do you know uh, of a way I can make sure that the hymn crowd is feeling heard, but also for them to understand that th- this is the direction that we are going uh, and feel the Lord is clearly leading us towards. So uh used to be a very hymn-only church or a hymn-strong church. A lot of new families are coming. They're trying to make more contemporary music. Can I create a solution? So my first question is, um, I've never been in a church that was super hymn only that went into contemporary. I've always been in churches that were contemporary that like slid a hymn every so often. Have you ever been in a part of a church that went through that transition of being more traditional to more contemporary? And if so, what works? What doesn't work? How do you care for the older crowd? And in my one thing I've been thinking about also is, is this conversation going to happen in the next 20 years? Like, you know, like, I was thinking about this. The in twenty
1: years, we're going to start being cantankerous about music. About then, so yeah, it's going to happen. Oh, yeah, yeah, we're going to be like we want
2: more passion songs. Bring what back... happened? Where's Matt Redman? All
4: right. Anyways, <laughs> um, uh, what do you guys think? What are your thoughts? I'll well, tr- mine
1: away a little bit, yeah. so you guys go first.
4: Well, my first church I was in, we were started out. We were a hymn only church, right? And we wanted there was a desire to bring more contemporary music into it. So I. I started that. I was the worship leader in in that space and we would bring in one or two a week and eventually it became what I guess you would call today a blended service which is where you know everybody's just mad because the hymn people are getting yep. everything and the traditional you know the contemporary people are getting everything and what ended up happening <clears throat> is um, I actually found, I think I might have shared this a while back, but I, I found uh, a couple of the biggest complainers and, you know, I got their granddaughter on stage singing and that helped out because then they wouldn't complain anymore. But that's political. That's not, that wasn't very mature, you know. And what I've come to realize is a congregation is going to have a personality, right? So the, the personality of our church, overwhelming, was that of a traditional church so we we ended up pulling in the contemporary music it wasn't hated it was appreciated but whenever i left the church what ended up happening was it went back to a traditional because they didn't have the leader does that make sense who would lead it um so what some churches do is they bust it up and say okay well, we're going to make two different congregations that is one way to solidify that both styles continue happening right and uh what ends up happening is you you can divide your congregation, obviously. So you have to be really careful about how you continue doing the worship in the sense of, like, if you keep them together, you might end up polarizing certain communities. If you split them apart, you'll give credence to both communities, but you split your
3: church. So... Well, I, uh, I grew up in a little bit of a a fundy scene, so (laughs) came, came out of that, that like, you know, worship wars movement, went to a Southern Baptist church in my teenage years. And so saw them kind of, you know, take the blended approach where we would occasionally have, that was back, you know, you had Sunday morning and Sunday night church. And once a quarter we would have a, a Sunday night hymn service and it was a, Hey, here's the hymnal. And I always played uh, Stump the Worship Pastor because you got to pick the hymn, which was pretty cool. So I would find the most obscure hymn I could possibly find and then ask our worship pastor to sing said hymn from stage. It was pretty awesome. But in my. Joe, try uh, God
0: of Concrete and a Fire. That's a good one. <laughs>
3: I would just, sc- I would go to the back of the hymnal. I would look for anything I had never heard of And growing up in the church. I heard of most of them. So if I hadn't heard of, I was like, I know he hasn't heard of it. So, so when it was, you raised awesome. your
1: hand, did he like roll his eyes and go,
3: Tim? Yeah. He stopped calling like he knew. And so like, like a year <laughs> later, so he awesome. actually publicly said, Hey guys, this is, this is not stump the worship pastor night. We're just going he to right hymns. at you. For sure. I, I thought it was the best game ever, but it, in my, in my church experience on staff, We haven't had to deal with this a ton, but at Lakeview, we do have quite a few who really love hymns and our worship team knows that. So, you know, we, we try to, to mix in hymns as often as we can. We've had a hymn Sunday before, and it was a ton of fun. Uh, we, we just have fun with it. So I think it's a lot about knowing your, your church culture, but at the same time, like it can't be all about that because that's how, (laughs) that's how church splits happen. Right. And when, when it becomes all about someone's preferences. So I think a lot of it is knowing church culture and then We've talked about it before, but it's also a discipleship issue. Oh, yeah.
4: Well, and that's a maturity thing of your congregation, right? The church I'm at right now, this past week, man, we did a contemporary, and then we threw in, um, have y'all heard that one by King's Kaleidoscope? Um, oh, my gosh, it's the hymn they redid. Anyways, we just we threw a hymn in there, and it was loved. And I think a lot of times that, that depends on the spiritual maturity as your congregation as a whole, right? Because there was this one lady who really loves hymns, but she she once told me, I will sit here and listen to all the contemporary music if it means these young people can come here and hear about Jesus, if that's the world they're in. So it is, like you said, Tim. It's it's a massively a discipleship issue.
0: We had a lady leave our church maybe first or second summer that I was here, and it was because she wa- she missed the old hymns, and our worship leader. Is, is not a classically trained musician. He's a guy who, before he was saved, was out, you know, gigging at the home Pavilion for my Florida friends here. You know, he <laughs> was – but, yeah, so, like, he's, he was a bar musician who found Jesus or who Jesus found him uh, and 20 years later was asked to start leading worship. And so it was kind of saying, listen, this is the skill set of the musicians that we have. Now, if you're a church that historically has done hymns and you've got the skill set to do that, that excuse won't work. But just the vision of here is the best that we can do. We can be excellent at this. We cannot be excellent at that, and we're not going to do something purposefully that we know will not be excellent, and so we're going to lean into that. And then just the vision of this is what our church is. By the way, look at these real estate listings for churches in the area that are selling their buildings because they've closed recently. Um, and I, But I also think that we're getting to a point where we're going to see a resurgence of more liturgical churches and churches that are doing hymns only looking at, well, you guys blacked out your stage and you put in the fog machines, and now you're closing as well. So I don't know that that argument is going to work for, for much longer if it's even working anymore now. But I just – it's got to be about casting vision for who you are and who you're trying to reach and also showing a little bit of grace.
1: Uh, There's a lot of stuff to say about this. Um, The first thing I would say is I think there's an exercise you could do uh, depending on the, the maturity of some of the older folks that are talking about hymns. Well, the first thing I would say is if they're all in their 80s and 90s, just wait, dude. Like just don't make a big deal out of it. Um, But that's not where you're at. So one thing you could do is play, you know, have the worship team that you have incorporate some hymns in a style that they can play. And if there is still complaints, then what you have revealed is that this is about music style and not necessarily about content, which I almost guarantee it is. Um, So, you know, the rubric, Frank would know this from our days at at, uh, Bible College, would be content, structure, style. Content being the most important thing, the structure being secondary, and style being completely negotiable to the culture. The reality is some hymns just sound weird to our modern ears, uh, and they don't make musical sense to us because we don't live in a time where that's how things were sung. Um, and so, a lot of it we're is not just
0: slang them on a harpsichord anymore.
1: Yeah, yeah, it sounds weird. The melody's weird um it's hard it's hard sometimes to sing and i I don't remember who said it but i think it also matters the like who the church is what's our culture of a church um the main thing i would say from this that kind of piqued my interest in the original post was that there was kind of a it wasn't explicitly said in the post um but it was basically like we know that more contemporary music is what attracts young families to our church and that's where i would say man don't go down that road. Don't connect those two things. Make Music style is a non-issue for evangelism. As soon as you make it an issue for evangelism, I think what as soon as you start to say, well, if we don't do this style of music, young families are not going to show up. The reality is young families are important or else your church is going to die at some point. That's true. But the way that, the, that people are attracted to and stay at your church, if you – if you use this as a reason for why you should move on to different style of music, I think you're planting the same seeds that you're dealing with the fruit of right now. Because what these, if if there are older folks in your church who are grouchy about wanting their style of music and you're saying to them, well, in order to get new people, we need to do this style of music. Those new people who show up are going to be discipled in that same atmosphere of, I get the style of music that I like. And so I think you're making a long-term mistake for a short-term goal. So what I would say to you is just style of music is just a non-issue. Don't make it an issue of your vision for the church. And, and I say this. I lead worship every week. I'm, I'm a musician. I love music, blah, blah, blah. But, like, in the church, it, style of music is just not going to be an issue. And I think the way I would try to disciple my older folks who want hymns, because, like, I like the music I like, too. Right. Like there's some music styles that I put on in the car that are very nostalgic for me and I like them. And there's nothing wrong with that. But the if you can get to the point with your older folks and some of this is how long have you been with them? Do they trust you? You know, all that stuff. If you can say, hey, the opportunity for you right now is to display the kind of maturity that would defer to the needs and wants of others that you want to see these young people display at some point down the road um now i i don't think you're wrong to mix in hymns i think the reason you mix in hymns is because the content of the lyrics is so good that you don't want to get rid of it right now there's a lot of hymns that are that their theology is terrible and they don't stand the test of time but that's the same test you should apply to any music no matter what style or genre it comes from do these lyrics stand the theological test of time for us and if they do then let's think about using them can the congregation sing this song? Can our music team do this song well enough that it's not distractingly bad? Um, do we? Do we? Does it seem like a song that everybody enjoys? But I think the discipleship issue—I've said this quote before: a mature Christian is easily edified. That I think is the kind of like atmosphere you want to be setting, and what that means for you as the pastor is that you're not always going to get you're not always going to get your preferences either. So I think you mix all that in, and then the reality that you're not. You're not pastoring some church that doesn't exist in the future in your imagination. You're pastoring the church that's full of real people right now. So you have to come alongside those people who want hymns. Real practically, I would not, if I was in this church, I would not create a traditional team. I would not do that. I think you're just asking for more trouble later. Um, I'm, I mean, the hymn sing thing, Cool. But I would not create a team that's going to lead once a month and do a traditional service because I I just I think you are you are feeding the immaturity in people that wants what they want. Um, and I think they'll put up with that for a while, and then probably they'll want two weeks, and then maybe why can't we do more of this? And, and I just think you might be creating a problem that's going to get bigger for you and not smaller. So I know I threw a lot at you there, but that's kind of where I land on this whole thing.
4: Jeff, that quote the about the ma- – is... So I said, Jeff, that quote you just said about the mature Christian, easily edified, that could be the best quote for today, in my opinion. But also, yeah, it's not me. Piggy- I heard
1: that at a conference or something.
4: Well, that's clutch. It, but to me, also to piggyback off of what you just said, man, splitting it out, saying once a month, we're going to have this. Now, the people who don't like that can identify once a month. They don't want to go to church. Right. And it's, it's just polarizing it, in my opinion. I mean, I could be wrong, but I think that's it's and I think you're making the
1: music style the middle of you're making music style sort of the center of like the conversation. And it just doesn't need to be
0: my my previous church has lost just about every and and now some have returned it. But there was a a season where there was a traditional service and a contemporary service and the new pastor came in and said, no, we're not going to do this anymore. We're going to have identical services and killed the traditional service without talking to any of the people that had really built the church and was, you know, here's the way that I know how to lead. Here's how this is going to go, and then was surprised when 60 percent of the budget disappeared from the service that was only you know one-third of the congregation. And so there are important conversations to be had, but Mm -hmm. it starts with being able to cast a compelling vision that has nothing to do with musical preference. And, and, Matt, I love, I, I
1: love the heart of saying I don't want them to feel not heard yeah, or that they're ignored. Exactly. That's great. I, I I'm, Pursue that. I'm not
0: that. just a pastor for the young families. I'm a pastor right. for everybody. Right. And so what does, that, what does that look like is a difficult thing, and it's not something that's going to be in a workbook or from a conference. It's going to be unique to your church, and the balance is going to be unique to your church as well because God has called you to that church, not to all churches everywhere. And, and I would
1: say, too, I, I want to stress, give your older congregants benefit of the doubt. Give them some credit. Like most of them, just like with younger people, most of them are not going to be just very selfish, cantankerous people. Most of them are going to be able to, especially if you're willing to have, you know, go over to their house or meet them for coffee, spend a lot of time with them and start asking questions like what would it look like for your kids and grandkids to be part of our church what kind of what kind of music do you think you know would would be appealing to them a little bit like what what kind of music do you think you could see them singing you know could that be some hymns that are done in a style that that works but again without making that the central thing another real practical thing you can do there are other elements to a worship service that older folks really can latch onto like maybe instead of singing five songs you sing four songs and do some corporate prayer right so now it's not about filling the service up with just music style maybe instead of five songs you do four songs and you start doing a longer scripture reading every week so now there's something else for them to sort of attach to that obviously has value to them you can ask them are there other things that when you started coming to church really you connected with in the worship service? That aren't music. What, what are those things? And maybe start asking those questions. You know, you don't have to do five songs a week. You just, you, you can, we're Protestants. You can do whatever you want. So, you know, think of other things you can do.
2: Yeah, this is good. I mean, I, you said something. I asked this question earlier, and I, I've been processing it. Like, what's the motivation, the reason why people would want hymns? And I think there could be twofold. One, I could be like, there's something about hymns that feels super religious and spiritual. And the moment contemporary music comes in, contemporary music almost feels like religious to people. And it's more just a vibe sure. for people. And and that, I would say, is like, um uh, I, I would challenge that, right? Like, I would challenge vibes being the marker of whether or not it's a good service or not. But the other side of this is this. Is I've, I, I I thought about what you just said, Jeff. And, like, you, like right now, there are, like, some songs from, like, 2010's worship that me and Jeff used to play at our chapel band that, like, you put it on right now, like, a Robbie C song or a a certain David Crowder song, and I'm like, we need to play this all the time. This is peak worship. We've only gone downhill ever since, right? Like, like, and obviously I don't believe that, but, like, there's something about me that, like, I think it is, it's where very – important parts of my faith were developed when that song was on or when i right. was singing that song and so therefore there could be very well these hymns are attached to such specific moments in the lives of some of the older folks in our crowd that like you not singing those songs is you stripping away something that's very fundamental or rooted to like very fond memories of their faith and so like yeah when we don't do be Thou my vision or 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 uh, I can't even think of another Christian hymn right now, <laughs> but like some other um, some other hymn that's like very. This song, you know, when I sing it as well, like I remember my my father's funeral. Like yeah. there's these very special songs that like if you were to tell me right now, like "Marvelous Light," like that's a youth group song for many people. For me, that song bops, bro, and like I it takes me back to moments where like. I was learning more about Jesus when I was hearing that snare solo in the intro, you know? Um, so so I, I, I love what Jeff said. Give their folks the benefit of the doubt. Don't think they're just a bunch of curmudgeon old people that want the church to be, you know, stuffy. But, like, figure out how we can, like, lead people in maturity in their in their, in their. But walk. also,
1: are, are people complaining about hymns? Like, are people saying we don't want to sing hymns? I don't know the answer to that. Let's assume that they are
4: then i would hope that you're
1: having the exact same number of conversations with those people saying hey but like have you listened have you seen what the lyrics are saying i mean this is this doctrine is amazing like have you thought about maybe maybe you know suggest your folks that don't like hymns man use some of these uh some of the stanzas from these hymns for devotional content it's great stuff so i would say just have that discipleship in both directions and for yourself right like you're you're one of the members of that church too yeah. and there's going to be things that happen and songs that they sing that you probably don't is not your preference and that's fine
0: nobody wants to feel like they're losing their church especially right. if they've been there for a while and so jeff what you said about you know take the time to sit down have coffee that's going to get you so much more than choosing a song you're going to get so much more buy-in from someone that knows that hey i've got my pastor's cell phone number i can sit and have a cup of coffee with him i can go out to village in on Wednesday night when you get free pie with any purchase, which is an Dude. awesome deal by the way. Uh, I'm gonna have access to my pastor. That's gonna get you so much more buy-in than hey, we played oh victory. You know we played victory in Jesus this week and we didn't play it right. well, but we played it for you. No, getting to feel like no, this is still my church. It might not be the songs I like. People might be showing up in polo shirts and shorts as opposed to the suit and tie that I like to wear, but it's still my church. So people want
2: access to their people. Yep. Yeah. Um, uh, and and you know what? Praise God for King's Kaleidoscope citizens. Uh, there's a whole album by Ascend Hill that, to me, yes. oh is gosh. the best version of those hymns. I mean, yeah. that Ascend Hill album. If you haven't gone on Spotify, Ascend the Hill Hymns. That album
1: slaps, dude. All right. But that's the point, dark- though. There's a whole group of people that think those versions of those hymns are absolutely terrible that's true That's, that's because, true. because they're not the right style you they're know not, what i'm saying there's, yeah.
0: there's a jars of clay album that was really probably they were just trying to record the you know fifth or sixth album of their record deal to get out of that said record deal and so it's nothing but traditional hymns in the traditional way and it is amazing i don't remember the name mm. of the album now but well, well, I I check that out having it in college but it's a jars of clay hymns album that you will love i promise
2: last uh last conversation before we wrap up um hey it's 2023 i saw this in the facebook group someone was saying inflation is rampant yeah inflation is rapid someone was saying like hey i i uh, i'm I'm talking to this board our our board at our church and um half of them are very strict about not increasing our budget in any way the other half is probably more flexible but um i'm due for a raise i haven't been given a raise i've done a good job and and, you know, I feel like this is one of the conversations where like no no class in Bible college or seminary prepared you for this. Like how how do you, if you're not the I mean, I guess it's a question for also senior pastors. Like I don't I actually don't know the answer to this. Like as a senior pastor, when your boss is the elder board and Jesus, how do you ask for a raise? Um but but like also if you're in the number two chair, you're a youth pastor, your associate, your mm-hmm you're a campus pastor, how How do you go about asking for a raise in a church where like, you know, is there a risk of them gonna be asking you like, okay, we'll give you a raise, but first, how much how much are you giving every Sunday? Like, are, are, is this, are these questions unethical? Like, like what, what's happening there? Like, how, how, how would you go about encouraging someone in the process to, 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 to say
4: that they deserve a raise? Man, I think you just you tapped on something. I would say
0: first, ask for a raise before. Uh, don't don't ask for a raise, right when you need a raise. When you are getting hired, is the time to ask for a raise. Say, hey, uh, this salary looks good. Can I expect a three percent cost of living raise every year going forward? Can I, you know, what have that conversation when you're getting hired, so that when you're revisiting the conversation when it's necessary. It's not the first time it's been talked about. If you've been at a church for four years and you haven't gotten a raise, and well, then you know you should really be talking about eight or ten percent, not a three percent, and that's a very, very different conversation. We were in a situation where uh, a couple years ago, some some other staff members were getting a raise, and uh, I I told our elders, hey, d- don't give me a raise this year, but let's put in the minutes that starting next year. Um, it's not even a conversation for the next five years. It's going to happen. So it was a one, you know, incremental raise at one time or guaranteed incremental raise for the next several years. And the elders were thrilled to say, hey, we're – this way we're not uh, bumping everybody up at the same time. This works great. And yeah. for the next several years, I don't have to have that conversation.
4: Yeah, I think a couple of things I would add to is, like, if you are beyond that point and you're already here and you're like, I haven't got my raise and everything – The first thing I would do is inventory your own finances that you currently have to make sure that you're not spending unwisely, make sure you're giving faithfully, because those are some things that make, first of all, that's just prudent for us to do. If we're going to ask for more money, are we stewarding the money we have now? Well, right. But also, these are questions that they may have the right to ask us if we're asking you for a raise. Second of all, before I would just walk in there and ask anyone for a raise, I would ask someone who you trust in the church who possibly has a lot of authority at church and who understands the nature, the culture, the personality of the church real well. I'd pull them aside and say, "Hey, I want to talk to you about something. I feel like I, I, I'm looking for a raise. My finances are in order." Walk them through where you're at and get their feedback first, right? Because what that's doing in a couple things is this: first of all, it's, it's giving you some external accountability, which is a helpful thing to have, um, and also getting their view. Second of all if they believe that you do need a raise it's it's helping them buy in so that way when you do have to take it up the ladder you've already vetted with other people so there's influence on your side this isn't to be negative this is because we're trying to help people understand and and third of all it's it's allowing yourself to be a little bit vulnerable when it's not in a public space, right? Because when somebody's punching back at you, why you need the raise, why you need the raise, like, and there's like five people on a committee asking you, it's real easy to get defensive or to shut down. But if you're sitting down with someone who you trust, who'll speak truth to you, and they're asking you all these hard questions, it's it's very helpful, right? Because it helps us get our own mind and heart in order. So I think when it comes to asking for a raise, start with deep inside and work your way out, right? Start in my heart then go to my finances, then go to one or two people exclusive who can guide and who have connection with the church. Then I would present it to the board or the personnel committee that you need to.
3: I think this should also um, play hand in hand with your your annual reviews and and the budgeting process. This should be an annual thing, which is a culture shift at Lakeview. we, We didn't we didn't do any sort of staff raise for, I don't know, seven, eight years. And over the last three and a half years, it's become part of our annual process. We, we do reviews, we take a look at the budget, we look at cost of living. And we also, we have several elders who are real keen on stats and data and figures and they pull all, and, and Lifeway Research does all the work for you. So they know exactly how much you should be making, or at least a range for your church size, et cetera, for everything. So if you ever need that data, Lifeway Research has all of that. So for example, this year I had an elder reach out to me. Hey Tim, we're, we're having an, an executive session at next month's elder meeting. Um, how are you doing? How is your family doing? Can you pay your bills? Like, he just flat out asked me and I, I told him yes and no. We, and I, I just said, this is we're, we're hurting in this area. We, you know We could use some help here. He took that to the elder board on my behalf. They pulled out the stats and the data and the figures. And for senior pastors at a church the size of Lakeview, and they saw that I was well below average, they, they bumped that up to average with room to grow. I thought that was a, a really cool experiment for them to do. Um, and I, I was very, very appreciative of them doing that on my behalf. Now, I know the question is, how can you ask about a raise? But I'm just saying it has to start somewhere. So this conversation will need to happen that way it can be part of the process on an annual basis for all of your staff. So we were able to give a, a 5% raise, I think across the board for all of our staff just, and that barely covered cost of living. So hopefully this can become just a, a natural conversation for you on an, on an annual basis.
0: But like Tim said, Lifeway has stats out there for anybody to access. I think Pushpay has stats out there um, yeah. for, you know, you, you named the job title and the church demographic denomination there's there's stats out there for it is it is Dan Keaton his name the guy that does the the youth ministry Salad yeah that sounds right Thanks, Dan and uh, that's it's such an invaluable resource and sometimes you you know um, you you need to know are you asking for a raise because you got a buddy that got a big fat raise and well you want a big fat raise too um, but is that the outlier or are you within the normal range you, it's, right you need you need to know where you stand before you before you're asking for something. and sometimes your church isn't in a financial position to, to do more. And so, okay, well, if you can't give me more money, I get that. That might mean um, I have a spouse that's going to need to pick up more hours. So what days can I work from home to help with childcare? What days yeah. um, you know, we always say we, we don't do the big end of year bonus because uh, we're giving you extra days instead. And it would be wonderful if we were in a position where we could do both simultaneously. But guess what? A w- one week is two percent of an annual salary. So you will, you want a two percent raise? Done. You get an extra week vacation. You, there's yeah. there's other ways besides uh, show me the money to have this conversation.
2: Uh, Andrews in his board meetings like, "Do you know how much they're paying Tim?" I, why, Why am I not getting that?" <laughs> that that's of, that's Andrews' one arguments.
0: Of, one of my elders was very very involved up there and there's still a good relationship. So it's beautiful. Now, I don't think I'm getting the raise that Tim got, but again, my church is 80 people on a good week. His church is 350 on a good week. So I probably shouldn't be.
2: Sure.
1: All right. I I would just say, too, like the first (laughs) time if your church is not used to this conversation, it's going to be weird the first time. Just get ready for it. And obviously, you know, make sure you prayed up and you're ready to go into that meeting. Humble. um, You know, you're one of them, one of the members of the church as well. Yeah, you lead and you get paid, but you're also you're supposed to be cared for by the church. And this is the way that the church does it. Um, So just be ready for some awkward, you know, get ready to feel awkward if it's the first time but what hopefully you can do is what uh the other guys have been saying is set a new culture where it becomes part of an annual conversation that people expect and so it gets less and less weird over time I love but
0: it. like like Dell said have the awkward conversation one on one so yeah. that when you are having that awkward conversation you know you don't want to be fumbling uh uh I finished this degree I I you know I've got this certification that I didn't have before you want to be ready to have your answers you know as you know yes cost of living yes Experience, but you you want to know your market value before you sit down with the board and have that conversation. You don't want to be stumbling for answers for the first time. You need to have it well thought out and not necessarily rehearsed, but you need to you need to know why. You need to know what, what value you are bringing in return for that raise when it's discussed. Mm. If you really don't want to
1: have this conversation, then my advice to you would be join a denomination in which the district superintendent will directly email your board. That's hey, true. Hey, it's the end of the year. You need to think about the compensation package. Problem solved.
2: Wouldn't it be so much easier if churches had HR departments? Um, maybe. I mean.
0: Frank, does your church not have an HR department as big as you guys are?
2: We don't have an HR department, but we have like a person on staff full time. for the, Who's
0: like the, the HR director? She, uh, I don't know how to. I Does don't, she
1: just write NDAs all day long? <laughs>
0: I'm
2: proud to say I don't think her church has ever given out NDA ever. <laughs> that's
1: funny. That's funny.
2: I just thinking in general, like, these awkward conversations would be less awkward if there was, like, a third party. like It was HR department supposed to be, right?
1: Yeah. Like,
2: you know, and. Just um, and, no get in the game. Yeah. And you could just say, hey, like. This is. I, I like the idea of like saying if your churches have a culture of annual reviews, and then saying can we start having reviews so I can be, um, you know, judged fairly of how I'm doing and know how I can grow, and then can we base compensation based on that? Because if, if you're if you are trying to do a good job, you would you deserve to be compensated for that. So, all that being said, lots of good stuff. Hey, um, we got to dip out because I know Jeff has to dip out, but I. I want to say thank you so much for joining us this year. We hope that you stick around as we have some fun stuff planned. With that being said, I'm Frank Gill.
1: I'm Jeff Simpson. (laughs) I'm Dub RP.
0: I'm Andrew Larson.
3: And I'm Timothy Miller.
2: And uh, this is Bradley Pastoring. See you next week. Bye.